0: Good morning, Grace Bible Church. My name is Steve Moffat. I'm one of the elders here at Grace, and it's my privilege to welcome you in worship this morning. Before I lead us in prayer, I just want to take a moment to thank the staff here at Grace Bible Church. You know, over the last few weeks, they've transitioned most all of our ministries online, worked very hard, very tireless hours to get those to a place where we can worship in our homes, worship in our cars, and where, most importantly, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ can go forth. So on behalf of the elder board and the congregation Thank you for all that you're doing. We just sang a song about a great God, one who moves the mountains, at whose name the mountains shake, and that is the God that we're here to worship this morning. But we want the nations to know that God as well. We want the nations to hear the name of Jesus, to know there's a God who is loving, who is all-powerful, who loves them and wants their worship as well. And so we set aside this time this morning to worship. But you know, our worship shouldn't be just about today. Our worship is every day. And one of the ways that you can worship every day is by giving. Now, we're not going to pass the plate this morning, and we know that many of you are financially struggling at this time. And we want you to know that we love you, that we're praying for you, and that you shouldn't feel guilty about not giving this morning. But for those that are able, we want you to give. And so you can still do that by giving online at grace-bible.org or by mailing your check-in to the church office. And that's a way that we can continue to worship and give throughout the week. So let me go to Lord in prayer as we move back into worship this morning. Father, we come before you this morning and we just give you thanks for your goodness and your mercy. We give you thanks that you are an all-powerful God, a God who is worthy of our praise and our worship. Father, this morning we lift up those in our community and around the world who are struggling, those who are sick, those who are financially struggling, those who are anxious, those who are struggling with depression. And Lord, we pray that you would wrap your arms around them, that you would bring them comfort, bring them hope, give them encouragement, and give them peace. And, Father, help us know how we can love them well and show the love of Jesus Christ in this time. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to worship a God who sits on his throne this morning and who is able and worthy or is worthy of all of our praise and able to do above and beyond what we can ask for. So we give you this time this morning, Father, and we lift your name up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Heavenly Father, you indeed are great, You're great beyond anything we can imagine. As we just read from the book of Isaiah, you are so great that right this instant you can see every single star in this universe. You know their composition, you know their movement, you know them by name. And yet even though you can see the entire universe in an instant, still you can see us individually. You see and sympathize with all of our needs, with with all of our fears, with everything that we're going through, you are our Father and you care deeply about us as small and insignificant as we are. We praise you that in the midst of this time that's scary and uncertain and, and new to us, we praise you that you are here with us. We praise you that you're not limited by time and space. You're with every person in every living room watching this stream right now. You are with us and we praise you, our great God. We pray that as we take this time now to enter into your word and to see what your son Jesus taught us in John 17, we pray that in your greatness that you would open our eyes to see, that you would soften our hearts to obey, that you would help us through your spirit to be transformed and to to grow to be more like your wonderful son Jesus. We pray all this in his name and for his glory. Amen. Well, it's great to be with you guys this morning. My name is Blake Jennings. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Grace. I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning. I'm actually going to grab a stool and sit with you as if I was in your living room, because chances are good you're in your living room. You're probably in your pajamas right now, so let's just own that. Uh, I want you to go ahead, turn to John chapter 17. That's where we'll be this morning. I'm going to walk you through this amazing chapter, beautiful chapter, as Jesus prays for us. And and we're going to pause multiple times this morning so that I can give you a moment right there with the people you're watching this service. with. I want you to apply it this morning. So we're going to do that together. This is going to be interactive. We're going to give you a chance to put into practice what we learn from Jesus. So this passage, John 17, it's often called the high priestly prayer, because in this passage, Jesus prays for us as our high priest. And what I mean by that is that in this passage, he actually prays for you. He, he mentions that he's praying for those who had come to know him through the disciples, which is you and me. So Jesus prays directly for us in this chapter. That's one of the reasons this is such a great chapter of the Bible. It's packed full of a lot of theology and teaches us a lot about prayer. But what I want to particularly focus on this morning is just one question. Based on John 17, what should we pray for? Here's the deal there's there's a whole lot of things that you should pray for right now in the midst of this pandemic that we're going through we're praying for a ton of stuff i think all of us are probably praying for our health and the health of those we love, the health of those in the community, especially those who are older or, or immunocompromised. And we're, we're praying for financial provision. There's a lot of people out there struggling financially. We're, we're praying for the safety of our nation. We're praying for an anxiety levels. There's so many good things that we are praying for and should keep praying for. But what I want us to do this morning is just pause for a bit and, and ask ourselves, based on this chapter, what are the most important things to pray for? Let's keep praying for all those other things, but what should be at the top of our list? So Jesus is actually going to give us six priorities for prayer in John 17. So six things to keep at the top of your list. You keep praying for all the other things, but keep these at the top. One of the The great things about our God is he's not a genie who only gives you three wishes. You can pray for as much stuff as you want. So keep praying for all of that other important stuff. But make sure that these six priorities are at the top of your list. These are the most important things to be praying for each day. So we're going to jump right in. The first priority for our prayer that Jesus gives us is in the first five verses. So let me just read those to you. John 17, starting in verse 1. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you've given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So, out of all the things that Jesus could pray for, what's the first thing on his list? Well, he prayed for God's glory. He wanted God the Father to be glorified. Now, That word "glorified" that's a really churchy word. Like we throw that around a lot on Sundays, but what does it actually mean? To glorify means to publicly praise a person so that everyone sees how great they are. Or if you want to think about it in simpler terms, to glorify someone means to make them famous. You share with everyone publicly how amazing they are. You praise their abilities, their skills, their intellect, their looks, so that everyone is amazed by them. So um, I'll give you an example. If you were here back when Johnny Manziel won the Heisman Trophy, what did A&M do like the next day? Well, they went and rented a billboard in Times Square and they put his image up high so that everyone would look up and see how great he is. That's what it looks like to glorify someone. So Jesus prays that God would be glorified. Now, you may have noticed Jesus does something a little bit unusual here. He also asks for God the Father to glorify him. Now, that would not be appropriate for any of us to pray, but none of us are Jesus. It was appropriate for Jesus because Jesus is actually God. He is God the Son, and, and Jesus actually led people to glorify the Father. So, the more famous Jesus is, the more famous the Father will be. So, it was totally appropriate for Jesus to pray that God would glorify him so that he could, in turn, lead people to glorify the Father. Appropriate for Jesus, not for us, but the same principle is true here The first priority that we should pray for should be for God the Father to be glorified. That's what we should want in the world above all else, for God to be glorified. Now, if you're new to this whole Christianity thing, that may seem a little weird to you. Um, The first thing we should want is for God to be famous. Why? Like, shouldn't the first thing we want in the midst of this pandemic, shouldn't it be for like the coronavirus to go away? Wouldn't that be better? Well, the reason that we pray first and foremost is for God to be glorified is because we believe that the greatest good for every single person on the planet right now is for them to come to know and love God. God as their father. That is is the greatest thing for them. It's actually better than them being healed or preserved from the coronavirus, because that's just this life. Knowing God, that goes on for eternity. Knowing God the Father, that brings transcendent peace and joy and love and purpose to your life. It's, It's the greatest good for every single person on earth. And so, because we love all people, we want above all else for our god to be glorified to be famous so that more and more people on this planet can come to know him and love him and find the the hope and the joy and the peace and the significance that can only be found in him, So our first and foremost prayer is for God to be glorified. So here's the cool part. I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray right now for that. So here's how we're going to do it. Um, the first thing I want you to do, I want somebody, whoever's watching this with you, whoever is the oldest person in the room, raise your hand right now whoever there 's family, your friends, your parents, whoever it is whoever 's oldest, raise your hand, you get to go first so i 'm going to give you thirty seconds we 're going to pause and give you thirty seconds for you to pray out loud in the midst of, of all the people around you. I want you to pray for God to be glorified in your family and here in our church in our town and around the world, pray that that God would be made famous and, and pray, ask God, actually beg God to save millions of people through this crisis, to draw millions of people to find their hope and peace in him. So let's pray. All right, now let's move on to the second priority that Jesus gives us in prayer. It's found in verses 11 and 12 in chapter 17. So look with me there. Let me read this to you. Jesus says to his heavenly father, I am no longer in the world and yet they themselves are in the world and I come to you, holy father, keep them in your name, the name which you've given me that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Now, what is Jesus doing here? He he says, keep them in your name. That, That verb, keep, it means to hold or to preserve someone. And when Jesus references God's name, remember in the ancient world, your name represented you as a whole person. It wasn't just something to get your attention. And so what Jesus is actually asking here, when he says, keep them in your name, what he's really saying is, Father, keep them in you. Keep them faithful to you. Keep them loyal to you. And so the second priority we find in prayer, Jesus is praying for our faithfulness. That's the second priority. Now, I want to make sure that you understand something here. This is really important. I want you to understand that God will always be faithful to you, even if you are unfaithful to him. His faithfulness is guaranteed. If you have trusted in Jesus as your savior, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead, then there is nothing you could ever do that would cause God to abandon you or turn his back on you. Let me read to you the last couple of verses of Romans chapter 8. I've read this many times before. I think these are two of the most important verses in your whole Bible. So we could read them every Sunday and it wouldn't be enough. Here it is, Romans eight thirty-eight and 39. Paul says, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, what I want you to notice there is that you and I. Are in that list. We are created things. And so, by the logic of the passage, there is literally nothing that you or I could do that would cause us to be separated from the saving love of God found in Jesus Christ. Even if if you go headlong into sin, even if you abandon God, He will never abandon you. He will always be faithful to you. So, here's the deal God's faithfulness to us is guaranteed. But our faithfulness to God is not. And so we need to pray for ourselves and for one another on a regular basis that we would be faithful to God, that we would remain loyal to God. Now, here's an interesting thing that I'm noticing seems to be happening during this pandemic. The the coronavirus in and of itself is completely bad, period. In every way, it is a bad thing. And yet our God is so good and so powerful and so wise that he can bring good out of a totally bad thing. And and it kind of seems to me like maybe God is doing that in the midst of this pandemic by by opening the eyes of people around the world to what truly can be counted on. You see, as we look at, at the life that we're living, there's so many things that in easy times we can chase after, so many distractions that can fill our lives and distract us from, from looking at God and staying faithful to God. And yet all of those idols in our lives like wealth and career and, and health, all of those are being stripped away one after another and it's, it's leaving us with only God to cling to. It's drawing us back to him and focusing us on him as our rock and our security. And, and that's really my hope during this crisis is that God's people would be drawn closer to God and become more faithful to him because we realize that he is the only thing we can count on in life. He's it. And so so that's what we're praying for, is that for all of us, that God would clear away the distractions in our lives and refocus us on him so that we would cling to him alone, be faithful and loyal to him above all else. So that's what we're going to pray for now. That's our second priority in prayer, that we're we're praying for ourselves, for, for our friends, for our family, for our church, for our community, to be faithful to God. And so here's what I want you to do this time. I want you to raise your hand if in the group that you're in if you are the loudest person in your group. Now, If you happen to be alone this morning, there's going to be a lot of these moments where I tell you to raise your hand and you're going to be the only one raising your hand. And that's wonderful. You get to pray for all these things. For those of you in a group, though, I want you to raise your hand. If you're the loudest person, just own that. Um, What I'm going to want you to do is for the next 30 seconds, I want you to pray out loud for, for you, for your family, your friends, your community, and our church. Pray that we would be faithful to God. Pray that, that God would use this crisis to grow our dependence upon him and our obedience to him so that we would be more and more loyal to him through this pandemic than we ever have before. So let's pray. All right, we're back for the third priority now. Jesus is gonna give us this third priority in prayer in verses 14 and 15. So you can look with me. Let me read those verses to you. Jesus says, I have given them, that is his disciples and and their followers, that's us. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. Jesus says that, that like him, we are not of the world. Now, the, the key to understanding what he's doing there is to know that in the book of John, the word world is generally a negative term. It doesn't refer to like the planet Earth or humanity in general. When John uses that word, he means humanity united in rebellion against God. So it's kind of the, the world system opposed to God and, and so when you think about what unites all humans together, it's rebellion against God. It's not language or culture. It's it's rebellion that that unites us. Fortunately there's a way out. ...of that rebellion, through faith in Jesus, by trusting in Jesus as our Savior, God takes us out of that rebellion and places us in his family. We become children of God. So so that theology sets up Jesus' request in verse 15. Now you may have noticed in 15, very explicitly, Jesus does not ask God to take us out of the world. He doesn't want us to be removed from the world. Why? Well, because that would prevent the first request... We can't glorify God to the world if we're not in the world. And Jesus wants us in the world, right in the middle of the world, glorifying God so that all can come to know him as father. So Jesus doesn't pray for God to remove us from the world. Instead, he prays that God would protect us. And, and particularly, he prays that God would protect us from the evil one. And that, that's Satan in the book of John. Satan and the and his kingdom, the demonic armies, uh, Jesus is praying that God would protect us from spiritual attack. And, and when you think about Satan, a lot of us don't think about him very often. Uh, the New Testament is is pretty, pretty severe in what it says about Satan. Let me read you from the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Peter says, Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The key to understanding that verse is is when Peter says someone, he means us. He means believers. Satan hates all humans, but his greatest hatred is reserved for us who have aligned ourselves with Jesus. He wants to devour us. Now, let's be clear. He can't take heaven away from you. The next life is guaranteed if you've trusted in Jesus. He can't destroy that, but he can destroy this life. He can deceive you in this life and lead you into sin and bring pain and suffering to you. That's what he wants to do. And so, our third priority in prayer, we're to pray for our for ourselves, our families, our church to be protected from Satan. It's the third priority: protection from Satan. So, on a daily basis, I encourage you to pray for protection for for yourself, if you have kids, for your kids, if you're married, for your spouse to be protected from the attacks of Satan, from the deception of Satan. Let's pray frequently for that, that God would protect us. Um, so we're going to do that now. So again, if you are in a group of people, if you're with your family, uh, I encourage you, I want, I want the quietest person in the room to raise their hand. So whoever's quietest, this should be opposite of whoever prayed last time, the last person, quietest person, raise your hand. I want you to pray Out loud for everyone in your family, I want you to pray that God would protect uh, your family, your friends, and our church community from Satan and from his lies. So let's take 30 seconds and pray for that. All right, if you're counting, we're halfway done. We've covered three priorities. We've got three more to go. So let's move on to the fourth priority. Jesus gives it to us in verses 17 through 19. So you can look with me now. Let me read those verses to you. Jesus asked the Father. He says, Sanctify them. Again, that's Jesus' followers. That includes us. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. That's kind of a challenging few verses there. What is Jesus doing? Well, the big idea is that phrase, sanctified in truth. What does Jesus mean by wanting us to be sanctified in truth? Well, sanctify, it's a word that means to be set apart. It's often translated holy or saint in the new testament jesus is asking god the father to set us apart from the world or make us different than the world which is united in rebellion against god and and jesus gives some details here he wants us to be set apart by us being conformed to the truth and you may have noticed, word truth, it appears three times in these three verses. It's a key word here. Um, he tells us in verse 17, truth is found in God's word, in the Bible. This is the truth that Jesus is talking about, that, that our lies, our values, our beliefs, our behaviors would be conformed more and more to the truths found in this book. Now, my son Luke, he's ten, and you know we've been spending a lot of time together this week, so we've had a chance to talk about a number of things. And he asked some deep questions the other day when we were sitting out on the patio. One of the questions he asked me is, "Dad, how do we know?" And, and by we, he meant Christians. How do we know that we're right about life? Like, how do we actually know what's true? And that's a really good question. We talked about that for a while. I told him ultimately, Luke, what it boils down to is uh, we believe this book is the truth. Out of all the things out there that could be true, we believe that this is the absolute truth. And he wanted to know why. Why why do we believe that this is truth? that, That we can go here to know what is actually right? And I told him, well, Son, it's because there's, there's a lot of evidence that God has given us. It's actually fascinating to read and study the evidence for why this book is is reliable, why, why this book is actually trustworthy. I would say that the greatest evidence we have is that the central miracle in this book, the resurrection of Jesus, we have a ton of historical evidence that that actually happened. And so I talked to Luke about all that evidence we have that leads us to believe that, that this is the best declaration of truth humanity has ever found. Now, if if you're fascinated, if you'd like to know more about that historical evidence for the reliability of this book or for the truth of the resurrection, just go to our website, grace-bible.org. Go to resources and articles, and you can find an article on the reliability of the New Testament, so that'll talk to you about the, the historicity of this book. And there's another article on why we believe Jesus actually rose from the dead, give you the top five historical reasons, familiarize yourself with that stuff. Because if that's all true, then we are reasonable in believing that this book is true. And if this book is true, if this is our source of truth, then our success in life comes down to knowing and believing and obeying this book. Because it is our one truth. So that's our, our fourth priority in prayer. Jesus is is praying and asking the Father to conform our lives to be more and more uh, in alignment with what this book teaches us. So that our thoughts and our values and our words and our actions would conform to what this book teaches. Command. So to be conformed to this book, if, if you think about it, you can kind of think about it in three steps. If your life is going to come to look more and more like this book, then number one, you got to know it. You can't be conformed to truth you don't know. So first, you're, you're asking God to help you know this book better and better from Genesis to Revelation. Second, it's not enough to just know it. Second, you got to believe it. So you're praying that God will help you to truly believe that what this book teaches is true, that you can count on it. Even when those beliefs make you unpopular or bring ridicule, you're praying for God to help you to believe it more. And then third, you're praying not only to know it and believe it, but to obey it. That God would convict you and soften your heart so that you would obey this book and what it teaches better and better each day. So that's what I want us to pray for. This fourth priority in prayer, we're praying for God to grow us in his word so that we would know it and believe it and obey it more. That's what we're going to pray for now, that God will grow us in his word. And so again, if you're in a group, I want you to raise your hand if you have the longest first name in terms of just letters in your first name. If you have the longest first name, raise your hand. If there's a tie, then whoever hasn't prayed yet or has prayed the least or the last, um, it's your turn to pray. So I want you to pray out loud for your whole group that God would help each and every one of you in the room to love and read, believe and obey the Bible more and more. So let's pray for that right now. All right, time for number five, the fifth priority that Jesus prays for on our behalf. That's found in verses 20 through 23. So you can look with me there. Verses 20 through 23, Jesus says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, the disciples who are with him, but for those who believe in me through their word. That's you and me. "...that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me." The glory which you've given me, I've given to them, that, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you have loved me. Jesus is praying that that all Christians, all people, regardless of the particular church or denomination that they go to, that all followers of Jesus would be one, in the same way that the Father and the Son are one. So perfect unity he's he's praying that our unity would be so perfected that the world would be shocked by it so just to To be clear about this, this unity that Jesus is looking for, it's far more than the kind of unity you might see on like a a good sports team or in a successful business. Jesus is talking about supernatural unity bound together by the love of God, that we would love one another. Again, not just believers who go to Grace Bible Church, but all believers on earth, that we love one another so much that the world would be shocked by it. And Jesus actually talks about that kind of love. Look down at verse 26. He says, I have made your name known to them, that is his followers, and will make it known so that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. What Jesus is praying for, this is kind of radical if you think about it. Jesus is praying that Christians, or again, regardless of denomination or particular church, would love one another as deeply as the Father loves the Son that kind of perfect love. And, and we've talked about this before. When we talk about love in the Bible, we're not just talking about an, an emotion, uh, although hopefully emotions come with it. But But love as it's defined biblically is primarily a sacrifice. It's a choice to sacrifice self for the benefit of the other. That's how God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit love one another. And so Jesus is praying that we, all Christians, would be bound together by such incredible selfless sacrificial love that the world would be blown away by it, just amazed by it. And and I'll remind you, many of you have read this verse before, in John chapter 13, so just a few chapters, chapters before verse 35, Jesus said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So when we think about it, how will the world know that we follow Jesus? It's, it's not by our, our uh, beautiful church buildings. It's, it's not by the signs we put in the yard. It's, it's by our selfless love that we would love one another so deeply that the world couldn't help but look at that and say, wow, there must be a God in that place because I don't know how else to explain that. So Uh, This fifth thing that we're going to pray for, fifth priority in our prayers is for our unity. That God would unify Christians together so deeply in love that the world would be amazed. And, and in particular, we don't want to pray that in a generic sense. We want to pray particularly here in our community, in Bryan College Station, that God would unify Christians together so deeply, regardless of church, the particular church that they go to, that the community would just be amazed. So we're going to pray for that now. So again, if you're in a group this time, raise your hand if you're the funniest person in the room. So I'm curious if somebody's actually going to raise your hand. There's somebody in your room. I know who it is in my family. Raise your hand if you're the and it's not me. Just in case you're wondering, raise your hand if you're the funniest person in the room. Um, I would like you to pray out loud that that we in in our in our church in our community that the Christians here in Bryan College Station would love one another so well that the world would be amazed. So I want you to pray for the Christians in our town. Pray that we would be unified in love and pray that God would protect us against division and strife and selfishness and pride that would try to rip us apart. Okay, so take the next 30 minutes and pray for our unity in love. All right, we're finally down to number six. The final priority that Jesus prays for is found in verse 24. So look with me, verse 24. Let me read it to you. Jesus says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you've given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. So Jesus is praying for us. He's he's praying that we would be with him, like where he is, and that we would see his glory. Like we would actually see him in all of his glory. So when is that going to happen? When are we going to actually be physically with Jesus and see him in his glory? couple options. It's either when we die or when he comes back. Out of those two, I don't really think we should pray for us to die. So let's set that one aside. Let's pray for the other one that Jesus would come back soon, that he would come back so that we can see him in all his glory. That's actually a very biblical prayer. The apostle John prayed for that right at the very end of the Bible, one of the last verses of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, says the one who testifies to these things, so John is speaking, he says, or Jesus says, yes, I am coming soon. And then John says, amen, come Lord Jesus. And when you read it, you, you hear John's urgency, his his emotion. He, he's desperate for Jesus to come quickly. Like in John's mind, it's like a minute from now is too long. Come right now, Jesus. So the sixth and final priority that Jesus gives us to pray for is for Jesus's return. That he would come back quickly to fix all that is wrong in our world. So we believe that ultimately that's the only thing that can fix everything that ails our world. There, there's a lot of good things going on in this world. There, there's education and there's charity and there's scientific progress being made and there's peace treaties being made. And, and all of those are good and they can do great things. But we know that ultimately none of them can fix what truly ails humanity. The root of of all of our problems is sin, Satan, death, and evil. And scientific progress can't do anything about that. Education can't do anything about that. Charitable giving can't do anything about that. There's only one thing that can finally set this world right. And that's, that's Christ's return when he comes back and defeats Satan and brings an end to sin and death and evil once and for all. And so that is what we look forward to. And I, I talked earlier about how I think God can bring good out of this totally bad coronavirus situation. And, and another aspect in which I think God can bring good is he can refocus the hope of his people on the return of his son because for a lot of us when life is easy it is very natural and normal for us to fix our hope in lesser things like just day to day we kind of are hoping in vacations and promotions and possessions and hanging out with friends and the start of football season and yet Day after day, God is stripping away more of those things that we had put our hopes in so that we're left with just Jesus, just him coming back. And so Jesus is calling us to pray regularly for his quick return. And, and what I find fascinating, if, if you know the background of John, when, when he wrote the book of Revelation, when he prayed that prayer, please Jesus, come quickly, John was actually suffering. He was in exile. He was imprisoned on an island called Patmos. All of the, of the easy, comfortable, entertaining parts of life had been stripped away. And John was left with no hope except jesus please come back and and to some extent that's where we're finding ourselves now at a place where all the normal comfortable things of life that we used to hope in, they're all getting stripped away and so now is a time for us to redouble our efforts to pray regularly that jesus would come quickly and and fix all that's wrong with this world and bring the the joy and the peace that we long for And so that's what we're going to pray for now. We're going to let our our sadness and our anxiety drive us just like it drove John to pray desperately for Jesus' quick return. And so if you're in a group, uh, I want somebody to raise their hand who hasn't prayed yet or has, has prayed the least so far. This morning, I want you to pray for the next 30 seconds, pray out loud, that Jesus would come back quickly, like before this crisis is even over, that Jesus would come back and fix all that is wrong with the world and bring the perfect peace and joy that we long for. So let's pray for that. All right, so as we wrap up this morning, I want you to notice that when Jesus prayed this prayer, if you just kind of think about where are we in the book of John, as Jesus prayed this prayer, he knew that pain and suffering were about to come for both himself and his disciples. At this point in the story, Judas has already left to go get the Pharisees to arrest and kill Jesus. Jesus knew he would be hanging on a cross 24 hours after praying this Prayer. And and yet, knowing that background and knowing that Jesus knew that, like none of that surprised Jesus, how amazing is it that in this final prayer, Jesus does not ask for health or safety or comfort or happiness? Not that any of those things are bad to pray for. You can totally pray for those things. But when he boiled it down to just the most essential things in life, it was just these six that made it into Jesus's prayer. Above all else, as he prayed for his disciples and for us, he prayed for God's glory, for our faithfulness, for our protection from Satan and his deception, for our growth in God's word that we would know it, believe it and obey it more, for our unity with one another in love and for his quick return. That's what should be at the top of our list. Again, pray for everything, but keep those priorities at the top. So let me pray for you right now as you go into this week. Heavenly Father, we pray as, as we continue down this uncharted road that is so full of uncertainty and anxiety. We don't know where this is headed. We, we don't even know what life's going to look like a month from now. We pray, God, that in the midst of all of those unknowns, that we would cling to what we do know. That we would cling to you. That we would cling to to your glory, your goodness, your greatness, your salvation, your love, your faithfulness. I pray, God, that when we turn to you in prayer, that we would pray for all these needs that that are before us. But that we would keep these six things at the top. That we would be praying for ourselves, for our friends and family, for our community. that, That we would be faithful to you. That we would glorify you. That we would love your word. That you would protect us from the evil one and unify us together And we pray, Jesus, that you would come back soon. We're desperate for you to come back and and fix what ails this world. We know that whenever this pandemic ends, it's not like life is all of a sudden gonna be amazing. We need you, Jesus. And so we pray that you would come back soon. We thank you for your love, Father. We pray that you would fill us and transform us through your spirit. You are so good. In Jesus, your son's name, we pray, amen. Well, it's been a privilege to be with you this morning. I want to remind you, we are going into Holy Week, which is probably hard to even fathom because life is so crazy right now. But this is Holy Week. So we're getting ready to celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And we'll actually have online services for both of those. So just want you to be preparing for that. You can join us for Good Friday service online online. On Friday, obviously, at either 4.30 or 6 p.m. Now note, if you join us for Good Friday service, we will be taking communion together and I can't give it to you through the camera, so you're going to need to prepare for that. It's going to be a wonderful moment of celebration for us. And then we'll be back for Easter Sunday at the normal time. So 9, 15, and 11 o'clock, both of those services to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. So we love you all. We're praying for you. We're glad that you've joined us for worship this morning. We pray that, that God's word would continue to transform you and bless you in the week ahead. We'll see you for Holy Week on Good Friday.